everybody, Janice here. Welcome back to this week's edition of This Woman Can. Now, I'm really excited to bring this interview because I've wanted to do this interview for quite a while. And let's just say if resiliency were a person, it would be called Terry McClanahan. From surviving cancer, brain surgery, homelessness, and then overcoming sexism and ageism throughout a career, Terry McClanahan has had an eventful life. She's currently the Director of Foundation and Corporate Relations at Salvation Army. And at an age when most will be on their way to retirement, Terry has just completed seminary school as she embarks on yet another exciting chapter. Now, there's lots we discuss in this week's episode from her attitude to ageing, what she's learned from failure, um, being unafraid to change paths and much, much more. So sit back, grab that coffee, grab your favourite tipple and enjoy. And always give me some feedback on what you thought about the interview, what you thought about Terry and who do you think I should interview for This Woman Can next. Hey everybody and welcome back to this week's edition of This Woman Can and I'm really excited about this interview this week. Um, I am talking with Terry McClanahan, I'll get my teeth around the words, um, this week and Terry is currently engaged as the Director of Foundation and Corporate Relations at Salvation Army and it's her role to secure funding from foundations and corporations. Ms. McClanahan received her license to preach at the district conference June 2017, where with much prayer, strength and courage, she was ordained a local deacon in September 2022 at the 157th session of the California conference, San Francisco. She's just completed, this woman doesn't lay still, doesn't lay still at all. She's just completed her third and final year of study at the Fuller Theological Seminary towards her Master of Arts in Theology. In February 2014, she was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin lymphoma. As a cancer survivor, she experienced firsthand the challenges surrounding treatment decisions and the emotional, physical and economic demands placed on the individual and family as they travel the cancer journey. And learning firsthand that survivors were left to defend on their own, she started her own personal journey to be of service to that population of kindred souls. So she is currently a certified life coach and a certified cancer journey coach. In summer of 2020, Terry completed her manuscript that tells the story of her cancer journey. And it's definitely a book I want to read. And the four years of struggle that followed. The book is a moving testimony that bears witness to her journey and the courage and perseverance she gained to overcome the challenges through her deep and abiding, unabiding faith in God. So I know, Terry, that was a very abbreviated very abbreviated bio so but I want to say I am delighted I want to do this for a while as you know yes. to have you on the pro on the program today so I've given you a little bit of potted history on your bio but can you tell us a little bit about your journey because I know you didn't start out as no as an ordained as an ordained deacon or pastor oh so get to how can you tell how you got to where you are today I started out as far from being a minister as I could possibly be, because I came out of college uh, thinking I was going to take on corporate America. Not really. You know, I came through college when uh, women were just starting to get pushed and promoted into these higher positions. And so I think that there's a whole school of us that thought that they were going to take on the world and conquer the world. Yeah. And this whole notion of a glass ceiling just started to come 
into you know reality for a lot of us uh and it's it's a sieve you know only a select few get through yes and i attempted to get through Mm -hmm. and i didn't and so that put me on a path and even though i i was you know maintained a career and was successful in my career i could never break that ceiling, um, which caused me a lot of emotional distress um, and put me on the path to, you know, as I look back on it, probably not some of the best behavior. I mean, it was just, let me just say that I was a wild kind of party girl. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's what I did to cope. Yes. And uh, I remember, uh, being in my mid thirties and, and yeah, I always was in the church. Let me just put it like yeah, this. I never yeah. stopped going to church. There were periods where I didn't go, but I always maintained some connection with my church. I, you know, I'm a lifelong member of the AME church, mm-hmm. African Methodist Episcopal for those that don't know. And I remember one summer teaching vacation Bible school. I love to teach Sunday school. And I was teaching in the adult class, and one of the associate members, uh, ministers, approached me uh, and asked if I had thought about going into the ministry. And I said, you know, I kind of looked around, not knowing who she was talking to, because I'm thinking, I just came, I just got home two o'clock this morning from partying all night, and you talking to me about going into the ministry? Are you kidding? <laughs> you know, so that started a journey of running. I, I ran from it. I um, I just couldn't fathom that God would use somebody like me. Mm. And, um, and so every time I came to that juncture in the road where I needed to make that decision, I made the opposite and ran. Right. So I've run up and down the state of California trying to get away from God. Um, and what really, how he got my attention was the cancer. I mean, that was an opportunity for me to just sit down and do nothing right? right. and um, go into deep prayer and meditation and really think about where I was going with my life and what I was going to do with my life. That's, that's the one thing about the cancer journey. You don't go in the front door of that journey. Mm. You don't come out the back door of that journey. Yeah. If you're blessed to the way you go in the front door, it just forever changes you gives you uh, a different outlook on life Um, and so i got through the journey i got through the cancer journey and uh said thank you god Mm -hmm. and i i guess i wasn't committed enough because then i was diagnosed with um a cystoma pituitary gland, which resulted in me having brain surgery. So within 90 days of being released from cancer treatment, I had brain surgery and got through that. And that's when I realized that, you know, God was really trying to get my attention Mm -hmm. and I need to pay attention. Mm -hmm. So I started the path uh, toward ministry uh, at that point. Yeah. And... To be honest with you, my life has never been the same. Uh, Everything that I lost as a result of my cancer journey and the brain surgery, because, you know, when people get cancer, 
the world treats you differently. Mm-hmm. First of all, they treat you like you're going to die. Right. Right. Know? Yeah. And then there's all these, you know, you're not going to really be able to function because chemotherapy changes you biologically and it does. <clears throat> so in the midst of all of that cancer treatment and brain surgery, I got laid off and I had just bought a condo. Right. So I, uh, and, and it, it was just, it's been an amazing journey because all of the resources I had amassed uh, toward my retirement, I had to spend to survive. Right. Um, that was the first time that I realized that not only was I a black woman, I was an old black woman. Right, and right, right, people, right. people didn't want to hire old black women. Yeah. They wanted someone new yeah. and spry. So, you know, it was just this whole journey for the past seven years has been eye-opening. And it has, you know, my decision to go in the ministry opened doors for me. You know, God opened doors for me that probably would have never been opened. Mm-hmm. You know, I, everything that I lost has been restored to me yeah. and even more so. Yeah. And um, so that's the short version. Yeah, yeah. I know there's I know there's a lot more to it. So but thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. So so Terry, let me ask you, what has been, I suppose, what have you learned most about the past seven years in that in that, in that aspect or, or your career journey? What have you learned the most about yourself? I've learned um, patience and perseverance. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very task oriented and I'm very much a take charge kind of person. And prior to the past seven years, you know, whenever I was confronted with a situation, I just rush in like a bull in yeah. a china cabinet, yeah. not really giving a lot of thought, you know, to what I was doing or why I was mm-hmm. taking the path that I took. And the one thing about having cancer is that you, you it forces you to realize that you are in control of nothing. Right. You know, I had non-Hodgkin's disease, which is a blood disease. It's not like I ate the wrong food and got some type of, or smoked cigarettes and got lung cancer. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't yeah, that yeah, kind. Of, it's yeah. like there was a, a genetic malfunction and boom, I have yeah. a blood cancer. Yeah. And I, I had no control over it. And I realized that that point in my life, I really don't have control over any aspect of my mm. life. And I better turn it over to somebody who does. I had to release it to a higher power. And so that forced me to really think about the way I navigated life, the mm. way I made decisions, the way I did things and, and you know, um, Forced me to just think more about and 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 to not make hasty decisions. Yeah. You know, because one of the first things I asked myself was, "Do I need to make that decision today?" No. <laughs> so let's go on because usually in the course of the day something else will pop up, and it's yeah. like, okay, now I need to make the decision because yeah. I now have more information. Resources have come to me that I didn't know I had earlier, and so I don't rush out. And make decisions like I used to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I think that because I, I function that way, my anxiety levels down. Right. Okay. I'm sleeping okay. at night, yeah. you know, because I don't worry 
as much. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. So you, you so you've had an extensive career, Terry. We know that you've had a, you've had an extensive career. You've done lots of twists and turns uh, turns throughout it. But what do you think has been unique about pivoting in midlife, mid career? Mm. Well, <clears throat> you know, it's like I said. You know, you have to really, for me, pivoting. At this point, um, at this age, I have uh, had to determine what's really important for me. You know, is it important that I um, be the vice president of the company, or is it important that I have a nice income that will sustain me through this part of my journey? Yeah. You know, because I had to spend down my my retirement funds, I'm going to have to work a lot longer than I had anticipated. Right. 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 So, but I am older, so I don't need a high stress. So, I mean, I just really had to rethink what type of position uh, I wanted. Yeah. Um, it also forced me to think about what kind of impact I can make mm. at this time in my life. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's like I'm pretty much I've already peaked out and I'm kind of like coasting. And so the question is, who can I help along the way? Maybe there's somebody else I can help pull up and get them through that glass ceiling. Yeah. Because I'm, I, you know, I'm not looking to break that ceiling right now. Yeah. Um, but I know that I have enough experiences that maybe I can be of service to someone younger right. uh, than myself. Right. If they'll listen to the old black woman. Yeah. Ah, no, they'll, they'll listen. They'll listen. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've been looking at some interesting conversations on LinkedIn yeah. since the RBW passed. And it's interesting what young uh, black women are seeing and doing. Mm, mm, true. Very true. Very true. So knowing what you know now, is there anything you wish you'd known? as you embarked on this part of your transition, of your reinvention? To be honest with you, I think um, when I look back over my life, I wish I hadn't been as much of a party girl as I was. Um, I mean, I had a lot of fun, uh, but at this stage of my life, I don't know that it served me well. Mm. And I think if there was one thing I could do over again, it's like, yeah, I think I would not have been as much of a party girl. Mm. I would have um, stayed home a couple of Fridays and Saturdays <laughs> instead of being out and partying. And I think um, I probably would have um, gotten my master's sooner rather than later. You know, this, I just finished my second master's. Right. Um, having finished seminary, you know, I, I, I wish I would have listened to that minister and gone into the yeah. ministry then because I found out that I really love going to seminary. Yeah. You know, I, 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 my first master's is in psychology. And even though I enjoyed psychology, I enjoyed theology more so. And I wish I had followed that course of action. 
I don't, I, you know, my life would have taken a total different trajectory had I done that. Yeah. I know that now. Yeah. Um, but the flip side of it is that because I was the party girl, I have a lot of rich life experiences I can share and help other young women along the way, yeah. you know, in terms of uh, forcing them to think about the decisions that they're making mm. and how they're approaching life. Excellent, you know? excellent, excellent. Um, so, but what did you fear most, Terry, about changing, about making those, the change in the changing careers? career change in my early 40s. I went from working in corporate America to nonprofit work. Yeah. And I've been in nonprofit work ever since. And I think the biggest fear, I mean, it was definitely clear that I didn't want to continue working in the corporate environment. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where I was going to go when I left corporate. I, I, you know, my options were to go to work for government, county or city government. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't even thought about nonprofit right. work. Right. And I, I looked upon a position and it has turned out to be the best decision I could ever have made. Mm -hmm. But I think um, I, I, I'm trying to think back. <laughs> I, I was able to take the, the skills and the knowledge I had about management and, and, utilize that in the nonprofit arena. And what I learned was that the only really difference between for-profit and nonprofit is the word none. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, uh, I still am working in sales, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, I'm selling my nonprofit to donors to get money out of them. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So yes. a lot of the, the skills and experiences that I, I acquired in the corporate arena, I was, I was, uh, it was easy for me to transition. Hmm. I enjoyed the transition because now I feel like I'm working to, uh, promote the better good of humanity as opposed to making someone rich. Mm. You know, when you work in a corporate yeah. environment, it's all about, you know, making uh, a profit, you know, yes. increasing the bottom line, making the shareholders more money. Now my goal is to improve humankind, to, to help the least of us to, uh, you know, ensure people have a roof over their head and food and clothes and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, very noble. So that's that's a better feeling yeah. for me. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I hear I hear that. So 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 Terry, you know, from the parted bio we had, we know there's been, you know, you face a number of challenges, successfully overcome them. But from a I suppose from a career perspective, can you describe one of your biggest challenges, how you overcame it and the lessons you learned? The biggest, one of the biggest challenges I faced was when I first got out of college and started working with Pacific Bell. And I'll never, I, I will never forget my first day on the job. I was hired as an outside plan engineer. Pacific Bell had just gone through a lawsuit. Uh, a number of women in the corporation had filed a class action lawsuit against them because they weren't being promoted into management positions. And so Pacific Bell was on this, and, and I think Title 16 had just passed. So they were on this move to get more women 
hired in management positions. Outside plan engineering was a uh, management, an entry level management position on the operations side of it. I'll never forget my first day on the job. My, my uh, manager said to me, oh, you'll never succeed. Women, women can't succeed in this position. And I, you know, I just looked at him like, you know, again, it's, it's, I started looking around like, who is he talking to? You didn't know me. <laughs> you, you know, you don't know what my capabilities are. Yeah, yeah. So I looked him back in the face and said, I'll be here when you retire. Mm -hmm. And I was. Mm -hmm. So what I found out was that women still have to work harder. And especially black women. Yeah. You know, I'm constantly being put in a position to justify why I'm in the room, yeah. even at this age. You know, I'm still dealing with comments like, oh, you're so intelligent. <laughs> um, I, it, you know, it's frustrating. Yeah. It's frustrating having to prove myself. Yeah. It's frustrating having to work that hard. Um, even at this point, you know, once I gain their support, it's, it's, you know, which I usually do. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Following that, I think the next challenging situation I worked for is I worked for a director that at the end of the day, I don't think he believed in women, period. He just, right. you know, because there were a number of women. He was a director over a fairly large nonprofit agency, and there were a number of women, white and black, that he helped usher out of that. And for me, it got to the point where I would drive into the parking lot and literally put my hands on the steering wheel and bump my head against the steering wheel and start crying. That's how stressful the job is. And I think... It reached ahead when uh, I wrote a report for him and I got it back and he had taken a red marking pen and just marked all over it, threw it back at me and told me not only did he want it to clean up, but he wanted me to produce this housing element report by the time he was getting, it was like on a Wednesday and he was on his way out of town and would be back in town on Monday. And he expected to have that report on his desk by Monday morning. And I don't know if you're familiar with housing element reports, but the, uh, the federal government requires cities and counties to produce this report that's about that big uh -huh. every three or five years. And so, he wanted me to produce one for our agency. Yeah, in, in no time. So I did. Wow. I, you know, I pulled up the reports from the city and the county. I pulled up assessments that we had done and I did a compilation of all three. Mm. And when he walked in Monday morning, I put it on his desk. He, I mean, he was just totally blown away. He didn't think I would be able to do it. He yeah, just knew right. that that was going to be. So he never got an opportunity to fire me. 
but I did leave. Right, right. Yeah, you can yeah. Probably, yeah, you can see where it was going, and it's not the environment for you. No, it was a very toxic environment. Um, he was eventually run out. I mean, you know, looking back on it, there's a part of me that says I should have stayed, and, and because he he was run out of there shortly thereafter, mm. and you know, my life would have had a totally different trajectory yeah. had I stayed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for that. So, Terry. Uh, we, we always hear about the successes and all that kind of stuff. But the one thing I'm always fascinated with is how women overcome failure. Yeah. So my question for you is how has failure made a positive difference in your life? You know, my failures have taught me perseverance, you know, just um, they have worked to ground me Um I, I think that at some point, you know, we all got in the world with this Pollyanna idea that life is going to be perfect and we're going to achieve everything we set out to achieve. And that's not always true. Yeah. And so what I have learned is to not be afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. That, uh, I mean, I'm dealing with a situation right now that some would consider a failure, but I'm like, no, I'm learning from this. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pivoting and I'm learning from this. So um, I can't let it get to me. I can't get depressed. I can't get, uh, you know, I I can't let it stop my forward progress. Uh, That's what I've learned from failures. Failures, you know, they're not a sign that, and I can't take them personally, you know, because it's not always a matter that you did something wrong. It's just that the circumstances didn't work out to your better good. Don't take it personal. Take what you can from the situation, learn from it, and apply it moving forward. Mm. And that's what I've learned to do over the years with failures in life. Mm. Um, I've also learned, you know, what not to do. I mean, because if you don't realize why you fail, you will continue to repeat that. Yeah. And so, you know, there are certain areas of my life that I'm a lot more cautious with than I used to be. Right. Um. So I think uh, the biggest thing is that at, at this point in my life, I can say I've learned not to take it personal. Right. I've learned to understand that we all fall down and get up. And and I think that that my faith has helped me a lot with that, mm-hmm. with understanding that God loves me no matter whether I, I, I succeed or fail. Yeah. I'm, I'm still a child of God and I'm still loved and I'm still uh, walking his grace and mercy. So. You know, it's, um, I think when people fail, the first thing they do is they want to internalize it. And, you know, what did I do wrong? And, yeah, yeah. you know, and and it's not always about what you did wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you may have, you, could, you can do everything right mm. and it still fall apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't, you know, if you're going to be successful in life, in life, not in your career, but just in life in general, I think you have to come to terms with not everything you set out to do will have a successful ending. Yeah. Yeah. Learn to roll with the, learn to roll with the punches per se. Yeah. You have to, otherwise, you know, you'll go crazy. Yeah. Trying to be perfect. 
Absolutely. Perfect, yeah, perfection. Yeah, perfection. Yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about perfection. <laughs> the downfall of many, 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 many a woman, many a woman. But, you know, especially with the society we live in, you know, as we age as women, yes. you know, you know, we are measured against someone who's 20, 30, 40 years our junior. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's just not feasible. It's not feasible. It's not feasible. It's not feasible. And then, and then you can't, you can't want to have that level of experience that you're asking for without having that age. Exactly. You know, exactly. It, it doesn't exist. It do, it just doesn't exist. You know. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's just yeah, it's one of the conundrums that us older women have to face. I'm afraid. It, it is, and you know, and, and men don't face it. You know, no, men mature. Sure. Yeah. You know, but we get old. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, true. Very true. Very true. You know, true. and so I, I, I try to maintain. You know, I was having a discussion with someone coming in this morning. You know, and she says, "Oh, you, you know, you look so nice." She was complimenting me, and I said, "Honey, um, I'm old. I'm not dead." <laughs> <laughs> so there's no reason for me to look. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I need to look alive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's true. It's true. Yeah. I, I'm not trying, you know, I don't try to wear clothes that a 20 year old would wear. Yeah. But I also want to, you know, look like I'm alive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. So true. I, lo- I like that. I really like that. So, so Terry, what advice would you share with? you know, other women, women over 50 who are embarking on their own career transition? Well, I think the first thing I would say is don't be afraid to step out on the deep end. You know, um, there were opportunities that I had that required me to step out on the deep end and I didn't take them. Mm. And I, you know, I look back and say, you know, if I had done this, you know, yeah. My trajectory yeah. could be different. Yeah. Or I would have achieved some other things. So, you know, my first piece of advice would be don't be afraid to step out on the deep end. Yeah. And the second is don't take it personal if yeah. Yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah. 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 You know, keep trying. You know, and then. I think it's good to have dreams and goals, hmm. but I've learned that you need to be flexible with your own dreams and goals. Yes. Yeah. You know, I started out becoming a doctor. I'm nowhere close to being a doctor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, it's like with any strategic plan, hmm. you know, it needs to be a working, living document. Hmm. You need to reassess it, reevaluate it, tweak it change it if necessary, you know, you may have set a path to go to the right and you realize that that's not where you really want to be or that's not what you really want to do. Don't be afraid to change Yeah, yeah. and go to another path. And I think we get kind of stuck in one rut and, you know, I'm going to, and some people stick with their life dream and eventually get to it. I was telling me it's okay to swerve. Yeah, it's okay to avoid the oncoming traffic. You know, you don't want to run run headlong into it. It's okay to take a sidestep. 
you know exactly it, it, it's perfectly okay for that but but Terry, what do you think stopped you when you said you said that you know this you stopped yourself from doing certain things what you know what you? I, there was a thought that came to my head too is i wish i had had no i did have i wish i had listened to my mentors Right. The women that came before me yeah. that said, you know, you need to do this, this, and this. Hmm. I was very headstrong. It's like, no, I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> so I would say to younger women that are thinking about making that change, that that if they don't have a mentor, they get one and they listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, get someone who's 15, 20 years older than you, who has walked that journey that can tell you, you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. Mm. You know, mm. um, I, I'm amazed that it, 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 what some of the younger women today deal with, you know, from something as simple as, you know, you may not want to go sit out in the sun 10 hours a day and, and to get that suntan. Yeah. You might want to put a block on, <laughs> you know, because when you get to be my age, you're going to look like a prune. Yeah. And they just look at me just saying, you know, or you need to document everything that you do mm-hmm. because you don't know. Don't erase your, you know, just little things that, yeah. that, that they need to be cognizant of along the way. You know, document, don't destroy things, create a path, always have a track record. Um, and think before you react, I think is the biggest one. Right. You know, right. I didn't always do that. Yeah. 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 It's like you said, you, you just pause and stop say, is it urgent? Do you need to do this right now? You know, do I need to respond to this right yeah, now? Yeah, do I need to yeah. jump out there yeah. and, and say what's on the tip of my tongue mm. or should I think about it? Because yeah. that has gotten me into more trouble than not. <laughs> and, and maybe what I said was true. Yes. But it offended the person who was in a position to make a decision about my right. life. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just so, read, read, read the room. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, it's, you know, you don't always have to respond. Yeah. 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 And I guess what it boils down to is choose your battles. Yes. You know, very much. The question I ask myself a lot now is that, okay, do I want to win the battle or do I want to win the war? Yeah. Uh, you know, so. Yeah, I hear, I hear that. I hear that. So we're coming down to our last few questions, which is great. Um, so we're having love in the conversation. Um, I think specifically for, for, I've asked my women of a certain age for this specific question. So for what is the joy, Terry, of being in being over 50? And what do you enjoy most about being over 50? I can say no and not feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same conversation earlier. <laughs> like, oh, no, I don't think I want to do that. Yeah. And I don't have to explain. Yeah. I'm yeah. just, you know, no. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that is all phases and areas of my life. Yeah. You know, I have no fear with telling someone no. Yeah. That's not going to happen today. And I'm and and I'm amazed when I tell people no that they're like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And when I was in my 20s and 30s, I was afraid to say no. I was always trying to please and get along and 
and you know make sure that everybody was okay with me so mm-hmm. I could advance in my career or do whatever it is. Now I say no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So what would you I even tell my I even tell my partner no 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 I'm not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what do you think gives us that level of um as I said, I would use the word bravado because we do, you know, we kind of get like, nah, don't know how to do it, you know, nah. you know, but it, but it's the same, you know, it's, it's just, I don't know, what, what do you think make, what do you think makes us more comfortable to be able to say no as we, as we're older? Well, for me, it was, it was the realization that I was, you know, I don't know, maybe you, you come to realization that this is good as it gets and I'm, I'm not going to deal with this anymore and yeah. I don't have to. And what is it you're going to do to me? Yeah. What? True. What? It's very true. I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I remember the first time I said no to my mother. Trust me. That was, it was a scary event. Because I didn't know if she was going to reach out and slap me, you know, because I had a very strong mother. Said, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. She looked at me. She blinked her eyes. And she said, okay. <laughs> yeah. And we went on. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I think it's, you know. I don't know what gives you the strength. I mean, just one day you wake up and someone asks you to do something that is really against what you feel. Yeah. And maybe it's because you come to the realization that this is it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you live longer than, than you know, I got more years behind me than I do in front of me. Mm. And I'm going to be very careful about the things I say and do yeah. moving forward because mm. every moment is precious. Yes. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Very true. And you know, when you come out of the, especially coming out of the pandemic, mm-hmm. I mean, that really should have changed a lot of worlds and perspectives. Yeah. 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 Definitely. 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 So my last couple of questions, Terry, where would we find you on a Saturday morning at 10 a.m. typically? Now that I have finished seminary, <laughs> <laughs> During seminary, you would find me sitting in front of my computer with a cup of coffee, uh, either writing a paper or I would uh, have my tablet in front of me reading one of my books on Kindle. Mm. That's where you would typically find me. Now that I'm finished with seminary, I'll probably uh, do something similar. I I, um, like to get up and walk. Right. Uh, in the morning so it's like I start my day with a nice walk come back in have a cup of coffee relax roll into my day and usually by about 10 o'clock I'm ready to run errands and do whatever yeah. it is I need to yeah. do for the day yeah. but I it's it's um I'm a morning person I like to um I like my mornings to be easy so on Saturday mornings I like my Saturday mornings to be easy not full of stress. Um, I'm not the kind of person that jumps out of bed. I kind of like roll out of bed, put the water on for coffee. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, so now that seminary seminary school is finished, what next for you? I actually am going to rewrite my book. Okay. Um, because after I wrote it and published it and finished seminary, it was like, oh, I should have said this and this and this and this, and I should have added this. I don't think I went, I, I started, I started with my cancer journey. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I'm thinking I should have started before that because there were some pivotal moments that led up to uh, the cancer journey that really talk about how I, I um, the book is here and back again, how I found strength for the journey. And there are events in my life that are like cyclical that I, I repeated because I didn't learn the lesson. Right. And so I found myself going, you know, I'm here again. Why am I here again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why am I having to clean up my credit again? Yeah. You know, yeah. why didn't I learn the lesson last time? You know, I, I can't tell you the number of times I cleaned up my credit. <laughs> Gosh. Gosh. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm going to rewrite the book. There yeah. are people that want me to get, there are people, people that want me to get a doctorate degree. Okay. I haven't decided that that's what I want to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I have told them no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. uh, I'm also, what I am going to do is get um, my certification as a mental health first responder. That's through uh, a religious organization so that I can uh, continue on my path offering pastoral care. Right. You know, I have all of these certifications, life coach, cancer coach, now get this mental health first responder certification. Um, and so I really believe that there's a part of me that can uh, develop a ministry behind that. Yeah. So yeah. I started developing a ministry before um, seminary right. and, you know, but it, Seminary just is all encompassing. I couldn't do anything else. Yeah, yeah. So I need to go back to my Facebook page I set up. I need to go back to my website that I set up. You know, I need to to re-energize my ministry. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that leads me very nicely onto that last question then. So if people want to know more about what you're doing or connect with you or read more, um, how can they do that, Terry? Well, the easiest way to find me is on Facebook. Okay. Because that, that's the, really the only uh, platform that I've kept current. Okay. And so they can just find, you know, my first and last name, just do a uh, search on me on Facebook. If they Google me, they'll find me also. Uh, my book is on Amazon, Here and Back Again, How I Found Strength for the Journey by Terry McClanahan. They can, they can um, find me there. Also, um, I hesitate to give out my uh, website or my other Facebook page because they are woefully out of date. No, that's fine. That's, that's fine. <laughs> they are three that's years fine. out of date. Yeah, seminary been... just took over my life. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I'm. You know, after I, you know, I told you I'm in the process of moving into my condo. Yeah. After I get moved in and settled, I'm going to dust everything off. You know, take another look at my. Website, bring it up to speed, take a look at my uh, uh, Facebook page I'd set up for Finding Strength for the Journey and uh, and and roll out, re-energize my ministry. Fantastic, fantastic. That was my last question, Terry McClanahan. So thank you so much for being my guest today. I always You're love welcome. to you. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Didn't I say it was a fab interview? And sometimes you always have to remember that 
Things aren't always as bad as we think they are. And no matter how bad we think they are, we can always rise to the top. So if you got something from listening to this week's episode, I'm asking, please share it with someone else. Please share it with someone else you think would love to hear the message that Terry was sharing. If you've learned something, let me know what you got from the podcast so I can gauge with you. And as always, if you have anything to share with me, you can contact me on all the socials. I am Janice Sutherland and I would love to hear from you. And as always, thank you for listening. And remember, if I can, you can This woman can take care until next time.